Let me pray and then we'll study the Bible together. Father, we do want to thank you for such a wonderful day when we see how you do bring us to love each other and we help us, uh, we pray that you help us to see that that is all because we are entirely confident of your love for us that lasts forever as we've just sung in that song. Please help us to see how true that is as we study the Bible and as we learn from it this evening. Send your spirit to teach us, we pray. Amen. Amen. So Romans chapter 8, we're going to just look at at, uh, verses 31 to the end. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then should we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall then bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Keep the Bibles open and I don't know if there are uh, children, yes there are children and uh, they're going to go off to their little group. They'll be studying this part of the Bible uh, and uh, they'll be doing that together uh, in a room there. There is I think a little crash. so if there's a very very little child that child will be looked after as well. And it may be that James has got his little baby and won't let go of her. But if, she, if he does want to come back in, then Debbie will take the baby one day, give it back <laughs> in 20 years because she loves babies. Um, so, uh, wonderfully, we're, we're here together. And... Just in case you're wondering why this part of the Bible, well, it's because in our church we kind of go through the Bible bit by bit by bit by bit, and last week we did the bit before, and the week before we did the bit before that. And yet this week fits. Because let me ask you a very simple question What helps you to feel secure? Is it when your husband or your wife loves you that you feel secure? Yes. Is it because wider friends that you know also support you and you feel secure? 
Yes, that helps too. But the Bible tells us something that we wouldn't normally expect as the answer to that question. The Bible tells us that what makes us really secure is when our worst enemy becomes our best friend. Because when you are at peace with your greatest enemy, then there is nothing else to fear. You can feel secure. And the Bible tells us our worst enemy is, guess who? Ourselves. Yes, that's true. That's true. We make problems for ourselves more than anybody else does for us. Very good answer. But there is another answer still. Who is our worst enemy? God's, but, hmm? God's anger. God's anger. Yes. Thank you. Um, we have got Martinations, just in case the Kenyans think that they've got the day. We've got Iranians here too. And, uh, uh, and Farah's been reading the Bible and he's been here when we started Romans how many weeks ago. But look at Romans chapter 1, verse 18. It's on page 939. Keep your finger in Romans chapter 8. Go to Romans chapter 1 and look at verse 18. And it tells you who the enemy is because it tells you that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. God's anger. Okay? Because he is man's enemy. He reveals his anger against man. Not just some men. But as you read through the book of Romans, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, you suddenly realize that God has got in mind all men. So the summary, look at chapter 3 and verses 10 to 12 to start with. Romans chapter 3, this is page 941. And the summary is that the Bible says that the unrighteous people are not just one or two here and there, but look, verse 10, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside and together they become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. So God is not angry with one or two. This is what everybody is like without exception. And the Bible tells us that God's law is there counting the number of times we fail. Look at chapter 3 verse 20. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Through the law comes knowledge of sin. There we are. God's law has us in the dock and we have no excuse. God is right, in other words, to be our greatest enemy for the way we have treated him. But then as the book goes on, you discover how this great enemy turns himself into our greatest friend. Because what happened was he sent his son to die on the cross and on the cross, God treated Jesus as his enemy and then pointed all his enormous love to those who trust and follow Jesus. 
And so if you just glance at uh, the next page or two, I'm doing a little bit of a, uh, an overview because not everybody was here from the start. But look at chapter 5, verse 6. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And so in verse 8, God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And because that has happened, Romans chapter 8, yeah, we finally got there, Romans chapter 8 is full of how anyone can be absolutely secure that the greatest enemy can become the greatest friend. And Romans chapter 8 is full of security for people who understand that right from the very first verse. Remember chapter 3 verse 20 said the law of God is counting. And now you look at uh, chapter 8 verse 1 you see what the law of God says. There is now no condemnation for anyone in Christ Jesus. We saw that two weeks ago. Last week, if you were here, we saw how in verse 26, the Holy Spirit, when he sees that we're weak, he doesn't hit us for it. He doesn't pounce on us for our weakness. But you look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26, he prays for us in our weakness. The Father, why? He's the one who's making everything work for good in verses 28 and 29. The Father is making everything work together for good. Which means he conforms people to be like his son in verse 29. So the Spirit is praying, the Father is working for good. What about Jesus? You might think, well, he must feel a bit miffed. He's the one who had to die to carry the sins. What does Jesus think about all this? We look at verse 34 that we read today. And it tells you, is he going to condemn us? No. Christ Jesus, the one who died, who has been raised, he's at the right hand of God, interceding for us. God becomes our great friend. Now, the reason why this is important is not because we're doing a little Bible lesson here. It's just this. God really wants people to know how they can be absolutely secure in Him because when we are insecure people, we don't live well. We drown our insecurity with drink. We look to other people to give us our security, the love of someone else who may well turn around and let us down. Or we might look for our security to either a position, a good respectable place in society, or to our possessions, things that we own and have, so that other people will look well at us and think well of us. Insecure people do all those things. But insecurity... If you're an insecure person, your relationships will be wrecked and your marriage will be troubled. 
and we need to understand security that you and I can have tonight from the God of the Bible and in this part of the Bible there is one thing that we need to understand so I keep forgetting to press the button our greatest enemy is now your friend okay I think we did that but here's the one thing the Bible wants us to understand if we're going to be secure and that is that we need to connect hard times <coughs> with God's love and the reason I'm saying that is because it's so easy for us to think that hard times separate us from God's love And you might think that if you look at this chapter. See, it starts so well, doesn't it? Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is no condemnation. If you want to know what that means, it's really neat. Look at the last verse, verse 39. There is no separation from God's love. That's what no condemnation means. But in between those two connections, the connection's broken because verse 35, you look and you see horrible things happening. Uh, in Romans uh, chapter 8 verse 35 there's tribulation there's distress there's persecution there's famine there's nakedness there's danger there's sword in other words life is going pear-shaped big time and you might think well you're, when suffering comes your connection with God is broken so easy to think that uh, Debbie and I were uh, chatting I was on the train going to see my mother um, and every time I went under a bridge, uh, the phone connection broke. And we had to start again. And normally when that happens, when I'm traveling on the train and someone's on the phone and the connection breaks, I go, yes! Because <laughs> I absolutely hate people talking on the mobile phones on the train. Um, but when it happens to me, it's rubbish. <clears throat> I am such a hypocrite. Okay, and what you might think is going on here is that yes, uh, Romans chapter 1 uh, is fantastically co connected, there's no s condemnation. Ro Romans chapter 8, the last verse, there's lovely connection, nothing separates us from the love of God. But in between, you go under a bridge, where in this case you go under suffering, and you go under verse 35, and you think, well, now the connection is broken, isn't it? because suffering has come into my life. But verse 35 says, nothing breaks the connection. Look at that again. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Will these things separate us from the love of Christ? The person who wrote these words says that nothing breaks the connection, and he should know because Paul, who wrote this letter, experienced all these things himself, except the sword. That would come later. He was going to be beheaded by the Romans. So the sword would come into the picture later, but it belongs to the list. All these things, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and eventually the sword, all these things happened to Paul. And so he can talk when he says nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And the reason why these things don't separate us, why suffering doesn't separate us from God's love, is because actually 
suffering connects us to God's love. And I want you to notice three connections to help you see that actually suffering connects us with God's love. Okay, number one connection in verse 34, you see Jesus pray. And in verse 35, you see the bad things happening. The two verses are very close to each other. Now, if Jesus is praying in verse 34, and we saw last week the Holy Spirit is praying in verse 26, then any suffering that comes to us will be coming to us to show us God's love, not to separate us from God's love. Give you an example. When Jesus had his best friend Lazarus, he wasn't well. They said, Come and heal him. What did Jesus do? Go and end, end his suffering? No. Jesus stayed. He wouldn't do a thing. Lazarus continued being ill. Worse, he eventually died. And it's a good job. Because then you saw God's, uh, Jesus' power in a new way. He went and raised Lazarus from the dead. So when they told him that Lazarus was sick, Jesus said, this illness is for the glory of God. And when you begin to suffer, you begin to see God's love in new ways. And you see what happened with Peter and Mercy. They went through intense suffering and through it came to understand how much God loves them. The prayer of Jesus is that you will understand how God loves you when you suffer. Um, Leonard so helpfully um, um, <coughs> uh, put it to us. I'm glad that Leonard didn't bring more people here. Otherwise, <coughs> we wouldn't have got to this part of the service just now. But... Uh, <laughs> Because there would still be more people to introduce. But Leonard told us, didn't he? Not just who his friends were, but he also told us how in the suffering he, and I take it Margaret too, learnt new things about God's love and patience. When suffering comes, Jesus prays, and what happens is we connect Jesus' prayer with suffering and we learn to see God's love in that suffering. Another thing, the, the connection, look at verse 36, the next verse. Connect suffering with faithfulness. Verse 36 says, For your sake we have been killed all day long, we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. In other words, uh, these guys are being faithful. Paul's quoting Psalm 44 where the big question is how is it that God's people God's believers are the ones who suffer more than anybody else you become one of his sheep and you're more likely in verse 36 to end up in his slaughterhouse not in a place of safety and yet you see what you discover is suffering therefore does not show lack of faith it shows true faithfulness. God brings out true faithfulness in suffering. He will not be able to bring out true faithfulness if it's just sunny all the time. 
fact there's an old Mexican proverb isn't there all sunshine no rain only makes a desert but there third connect suffering with conquest verse 37 all these things were more than conquerors now here's the thing because if you hear that you're being slaughtered like a sheep all the time it can kind of put you into a victim mindset can't you you know everybody's against me again but what Paul says is if you're being slaughtered by sheep you don't end up as a victim mindset you end up in a conquering mindset how come well most people think the conquering faith is the faith that removes suffering but that can't be right because in the previous verse we see that it is the faithful that suffer for your sake we are being considered sheep to be slaughtered so these are faithful guys and their suffering so they don't conquer by faith removing suffering you conquer a different way let me tell you how what faith does conquering faith is it recognizes that in everything suffering included God is working for good to make people like Jesus okay now once you got that straight in your mind you will know that when suffering is coming to you it is there to make you more like Jesus yeah join the dots so when we see something coming towards us to make us more like Jesus we don't say go away no we speak like a conqueror and we command suffering okay come over here and do the job that you were sent to do which is to make me like Jesus you conquer not by being beaten by suffering but by demanding that suffering is obedient to you to do exactly what it was supposed to do only a conqueror will speak like that come here suffering do your job make me like Christ connect suffering with prayer connect suffering with faithfulness connect suffering with conquest what are the take-homes for us but look maybe you're in church today you're not a Christian and you want to work out what's the Bible got to do with you well let me suggest to you that uh, people want security don't they everybody does and what you've heard today may not lead you to think you're going to find that that security in Christianity I mean it's not exactly the best PR line is it come on be a Christian join us in the slaughterhouse <laughs> doesn't do it for everybody is it a better sell to say that come to God and God will take away your suffering yeah it's a better sell but it's not what God promises but what God promises is this that your greatest enemy can become your greatest friend 
And when God, your greatest enemy, which he is now if you are not a Christian, when that God becomes your greatest friend, nothing will separate you from his love. And my friend, if you want to live in security, there is no greater security that you can live your life with than knowing that. Maybe, uh, so yeah, um, go from enemy to being God's great friend. What happens if you've been to church lots? And many of us have. Well, one of the things we can hear in churches is that God will take suffering away. The thing is, if we hear that all the time, we will end up being insecure Christians. Why? Because suffering comes and we'll stop thinking that God loves us. We think the connection's broken. We've gone under a bridge. And insecure Christians, well, they're found in every church. They sing songs that God loves them on Sundays, but the rest of the week, they're pretty joyless because they've got the trials and the suffering coming at them all the time. And when they are hurting, well, they hurt other people, don't they? As, Pete, as again, Lenin was saying, hopefully we become judgmental and so on. Which is why sometimes we do need to unlearn things that we might have picked up from the past if we really want to take in what the Bible is telling us, which is that suffering will connect you to God's love, not take you away from it. That's what this evening has given you. Exhibit A. Suffering has taken a couple to God's love in a deeper and wonderful way. What happens if you're a real believer? Yes, yeah, sorry, let me just finish that. Don't just be secure on Sundays. Live with God's security and love through uh, all the week. But then thirdly, what happens if you're a real Christian? Well, let me tell you this. If you want to go away from this place to give the devil a bad day, all you have to do is to live your life understanding that nothing will separate you from God's love because the enemy will want to do that to try and create the divide to make the disconnect and give him a bad day be a secure person and nothing will separate you from his love um, <coughs> That's really important, isn't it? Because God is for you always. And if Jesus died for you, as it says in verse 32, God didn't spare his own son, but giving up, won't he also graciously keep you in his love? If, he, if I buy a, a, a very expensive car, do you think I'm going to leave it on the roadside and walk away because a tire's gone flat? Something's malfunctioned? I've invested too much 
to walk away from that. Well, if that's what I'm like with a car, do you think God's going to be any different with you for whom his one and only son died? Give the devil a bad day. Be secure in the love of the Lord Jesus. Nothing will separate you from that love. And when we have our security there, then we begin to be secure in our relationships too. A lot of the difficulty why I think Peter and Mercy hit the rocks is because they had found, looked to each other for their security and when they discovered that they were not exactly the strongest post to rest on, then their relationship and marriage went separate ways. But when we live our lives and build them stable and secure on the platform that God loves us, then we are secure to love other people because frankly we don't need them to love us before we can love them. Because we are loved. And when you are loved, you can love other people even if the love doesn't come back all the time. And so we need to find our security in his love for us. Then we'll have the ability to love others too. So when pressures come, we pray for the connections to make, be made stronger. We pray that we'll see God's love in those pressures. We pray that there will be a new faithfulness coming out of our lives as a result of those pressures. And we'll command those pressures to do their work to the full to make us like the Lord Jesus. Understand Jesus' praise. Understand the faithful suffer. For your sake we are being hurt. But understand ultimately you're a conqueror and live in the light of Christ's conquests when suffering comes. Well, let's pray together and uh, we'll uh, pause there. Let me give you one minute where you just think for yourself the take-home for you. Talk to God privately for a minute and then <coughs> I'll pray for all of us together. Well, our minute's up, so let me pray. <clears throat> Almighty God, we thank you for the rich love you've shown us because of the Lord Jesus and the way that he turned our greatest enemy into our father and our friend. Holy Spirit, please help us to live in the joy that nothing will separate us from your love. May it be our last thought as we go to sleep tonight, our first thought in the morning when we wake up. Nothing separates. Keep that thought, Lord, we pray, loud and clear when suffering comes. And when it comes, please will you show us through the prayer of the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit, will you show us your love in our sufferings will you bring out faithfulness out of us 
because of our sufferings? And will you make us conquerors as we use our sufferings to make us more like the Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen.